Improv Noise is brought to you by Sage Music in Long Island City, a school that turns people of all ages from students into musicians. The school has a unique curriculum where teachers focus a personal attention and utilize a holistic approach to teaching every student. The school is owned by inspirational Iraq War veteran Jason Sagabil, who offers classes in guitar, piano, cello, violin, and voice. Also, check out the recently opened new location in Greenpoint, Brooklyn. To learn more about Sage Music, visit www.sagemusic.co. And again, that's .co.co. This is Improv Noise. And in order to get started, we need a suggestion of something you can't eat. What's up, guys? This is Improv Noise. I'm Brad Kula. My partner, Stefan Schutt, had the lovely Beth Appel in the studios today at Sage Music. Enjoy. Either you're in an improv scene or you're watching an improv scene, and it only has to have one thing. Uh, what is that one thing that you would look for, that you would enjoy? An environment? I mean, that wouldn't necessarily make it funny, but for me, uh, a scene needs to make sense for me to enjoy it. And I think as long as I know where they are and it's like a recognizable place in the world, then I'm, I'm like happy to watch it. Interesting. When you're on the back line, do you find yourself doing walk-ons to um, solidify the environment and things like that? No, I usually um, like completely freeze when I'm not quite sure what the location is. I'll I'll sometimes assume that the two people in the scene know what it is and I'm just like dumb for not knowing where they are. Uh although I may I may have gotten better at that. But um no I wouldn't I don't think I would do a walk on to be like this is maybe in like a if I was doing an an indie show with like my two best improv friends I might do that. But it's it feels sort of like a jerk thing to do, mm-hmm. I think. Um so I, I probably wouldn't do it unless I was trying to be a jerk. <laughs> <laughs> I'm all about that. Uh, and when you when you say environment, does that include context? Like, because if it's a, a first date and they're sitting across from each other uh, and they're eating food, is that enough of an environment for you? Because it gives you the the context of the situation. I would also need to know if they're sitting across a table from each other eating food. I would need to know if they were at a restaurant or if they were at home. That would need to be included. I actually probably wouldn't care as much if, like, about if it's a first date, what, like, what date it is, as long as I knew where they were. Cool. Very cool. Groovy. Well, uh, we're seated here with Beth Appel. should probably do a quick little intro. Uh, Beth Appel is an improviser and a sketch superstar at the Upper Assistant Brigade Theater in New York currently and uh, futurely in Los Angeles. Am I allowed to say that? Uh, yeah. It's not a secret. <laughs> uh, currently on the Herald team, Sherlock and Cookies, formerly on Monstro and Captcha, as well as our superstar indie team, Shark Tank. Um, also done endless amounts of sketch that used to be, including the currently running. Spoiler alert, this is a sketch show. Is all that pretty accurate? That is all completely accurate, except I'm not on Sherlock and Cookies anymore. Oh, I've had my last show already. Oh, how'd, how'd, talk about your last show. How'd that go? Uh, yeah, my team surprised me by making me be in every scene of the show. 
Um, yeah. So uh, I got the suggestion, and then we did our opening, and then Dave Siegel uh, stepped out to do the first scene and kind of grabbed my elbow, elbow and pulled me out. So I thought, that's nice. Dave wants to do a scene with me in my last show. That's really nice of him. And then that scene got edited, and then the next person also grabbed my arm and pulled me out with them. <laughs> and then then I knew. Then I, I figured it out <laughs> that uh, the pattern had been established. Um, so then I just went out for the third scene voluntarily. And then they didn't make me be in the group games, but I did walk-ons in both of them. Because, <laughs> you know, I was already in the whole show. But, yeah, it was really fun. Did you turn the concept of you being in every scene into an overlying game? No, we didn't go meta at all in that way. Cool. Do you, what, are, what are your feelings on going meta and not going meta? I think you should never go meta. Oh, wait, we did go meta in our show. <laughs> <laughs> I, think, I think you should never try to go meta. Like, going okay. meta happens, if it just happens to you, that's, like, good meta. And if you, like, try to force it, that's bad meta. I remember a show where I tried to force it, and it was, like, the audience was not happy about it at all. But if it's a, a surprise, it's fun. Yeah, I can feel that. I also feel like it would work, going meta works much better for a crowd full of improvisers, because then they kind of like, are like, oh yeah, cool, they're self-aware. Yeah, that's that's fair. I've done a lot of meta. I mean, everyone has done their share of meta stuff, and probably has, it's like gone the whole spectrum of like, practical, practically booing to like, just total <laughs> delight. <laughs> Um, and I've done shows where it's it's done that within one scene of meta-ness. Like, you say one thing that's meta and the audience is totally on board, and then you just, like, step right over the line by going, like, too meta. Like, by referencing someone about someone's life that the audience doesn't know about, and then they just turn on you. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So you keep uh, you keep a close ear on, on your audience response, right? Are you pretty connected to how your audience is feeling about the show? Yes. I, I personally... Always, I'm wondering what the audience is thinking and feeling. I'm not the most, um, what's the word? Like, uh, I don't, I never lo would lose myself in a scene, probably. I like to think, what's the audience, what does the audience want to hear right now? Interesting. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, so if, if you feel if something isn't working, you change gears. Sometimes, uh, but the other side of the coin is like sometimes I'll be annoyed that the audience that it's not working, <laughs> yeah, and so I'll yeah. just keep doing it over and over again. <laughs> that's, uh, what I was, that's what I was going to mention. Yeah, yeah. I, I was. Uh, I took a workshop with somebody. Mentioned like if something doesn't work, you're allowed to keep reminding them because if you enjoy it, if you keep reminding them enough, it could eventually get to work. Or some, I'm paraphrasing, but something along those lines. Uh, I think I do it maybe not in as like fun of a way as that person described it mine is just more like why don't you think this is funny i will keep saying this line until you laugh or not I, it's not up to you i'm on stage and you're watching so i have the power here nice yeah. nice uh very uh yeah very cool it sounds like you're very very confident when you perform i am i yeah. took my first improv class nine years ago so it's wow. been um so there's not a lot of scenes that I that like make me nervous. I've done them all. Nice. Yeah. What would you say is probably the most common scene you've been in? If you could think of anything. One that you just or or let me change the question. Is there certain scenes that you're just sick of you don't want to do anymore, so you always change the gears in them a little bit? Or you won't uh Yeah. Or you just always change you kind of try to give yourself a little bit more of a add some spice or a curveball to it that makes it more exciting for you personally? 
Uh, no, I actually don't tend to do that. If I'm in a scene that's familiar, like all when improv to me, I'll take all the shortcuts I can. Like, <laughs> I think for a lot of people, it, they feel like it's cheating. So they're, well, I've heard this initiation before and I've like, you know, I'm going to respond in a totally different way. But if my response the first time was like my true response to that initiation, then I would just do that again. Mm-hmm. I've done... Yeah, countless scenes uh, of, like, two really obese people. Just <laughs> You can just set that in pretty much any location, and it's, like, gold. And I would never try to, like, mess with something like that. That's just... it's so Anything that makes improv easier, I would I go towards immediately. Do you have a set voice for those obese characters? Uh, yeah, it's, you. everyone has the same obese voice. <laughs> like, um, <laughs> like, they can't, like, you, you talk like you kind of have something in your mouth. I, I, I'm going to cry. I'm, I'm done climbing these stairs. Yeah, exactly. You should always start right after you climb some stairs if you're playing a fat character. I, I was thinking that if I did do those two obese characters, I would put them in a movie theater. Mm-hmm. That, to me, is, like, the best place to put, put somebody like that. Yeah. Obese people in a movie theater is good. Um, any sort of place where you can eat or where... Actually, any sort of place you're not supposed to eat is fun for that because they're always going to have some food there with them. So, like, a really obese person's hanging out in the library reading a book and he pulls out, like, a wrapper or something. Yeah, library or, yeah. like, clothes shopping. Or like or, a roller coaster. Or a roller coaster would be good. Yeah. A clothing burrito. <laughs> a clothing, yeah. <laughs> yeah, they, where, where there's clothes inside other clothes or there's, like, beans inside a shirt. <laughs> I mean, neither of those. I like both of those things. Oh, I was thinking of a person who goes by shirts, but he's got to get that burrito on his way because it's burrito oh. or it's a clothing burrito. Oh. Oh, oh, okay. Like, I, this is my clothing burrito. It's like a tradition. But I oh, love yeah. the fact that there's jeans within smaller jeans. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, that's a new thing. <laughs> hey, buddy, there's beans in the shirt. Well, you know, it's a shirt burrito, man. You got what you pay for. What can you do? Uh, so, what, what are your what are your thoughts about like? Because it is your it was your last show, uh, and there obviously are like extra. There are feelings that your group is having that the audience is unaware of. So what what is your opinion of bringing in your own personal feelings or your own personal, I guess you could call it baggage, but it's not quite baggage. It's just like how you're feeling that day and bringing that into an improv scene. Um, again, like I try to be pretty aware of how the audience is going to feel. So mm-hmm. I think that goes along with the meta thing of um, like if if I'm if I'm feeling like cranky or tired or sad and that happens to play into an initiation that I get or like or the suggestion or so, or something from the opening then that's cool and then I can just kind of like lean into that a little bit more but um but yeah I try to try to keep that backstage keep that backstage banter yeah I I there are, I think that there have been people who like you discuss something backstage and then you come out and then you do an opening and then they initiate from your like backstage discussion <laughs> and they're and being on a team with that person sometimes can be kind of a challenge. Hmm. Do you, I, I know, I know uh, when I play, I love to bring what I did that day or what I'm feeling that day on stage with me. Like not, maybe not so, so much emotionally, more like content and things like that. Content wise. Yeah. But it also depends on if you're doing an opening. 
Right. That's a huge, uh, I don't know if there's like debate over this or if everyone kind of has agreed at this point, but to me, doing an opening and not is like two different forms even of improv. Yeah, no, uh, I was going to lead into the next question. I was wondering, you do, you do premise on Herald Night and you do organic, right? Uh, With Shark Take, or am I wrong? Well, we do, although for, I don't know, for at least half of our shows, probably more, we did an opening. Oh, okay. We just kind of stopped doing that. But then for our very last show, we did, or the last show I did, they may be, still do it after I move, but um, we did an opening. Oh, okay. Do you yeah. prefer going in with an opening? Uh, it depends on who I'm performing with. Oh, um, mm-hmm. Yeah. But I don't mind going in without an opening, and then, yeah, I'll initiate from... Whatever the suggestion makes me think of from my day or life, or yeah, I'm a big fan of that. Cool. I think the opening is kind of a, a little bit of an advantage because it's a shared experience between the improvisers and the audience. You know, if a uh, a premise gets created in the opening or a joke gets made in the opening, then that's something that's shared in the audience and that they're they can be looking for, and. Uh, I think that's a really powerful tool to have in your back pocket going into an improv show. Whereas going in without a suggestion, it's, I mean, you don't have that luxury. Yeah, well, it's, um, an opening is both good and bad. Because if the audience feels like they're in on like an inside joke from something from the opening, and then you don't treat it the way they wanted it to be treated, Mm. they'll get really disappointed. And the other tough thing about an opening is um is that i think performers tend to get really in their heads about uh whether they know where something is coming from in the opening so if you initiate um if you do an opening and then one person initiates from the opening and person two doesn't know where it came from person two i think like a lot of the time will go into panic mode rather than uh just Realizing I don't know where this came from in the opening. I'm gonna we're gonna have to build this scene organically. Or if they do decide let's build this scene organically, I don't know where it's from in the opening. Person one may still not know, depending on how confident they look. Because they don't get <laughs> look of like, oh my god, I don't know what this is in their eyes. Person one might think like, oh, they interpreted it differently in the opening, and then they then they're in their head. So, right. um, whereas with organic, you know that you're just. It's a suggestion, and no one has any idea, and you have to build it together. Unless someone comes in with, like, from a suggestion, a really clear premise uh, first line, which well, is rare, I think. Well, how do you feel about that when someone brings a full premise into an organic set? Is that something you're fine with? Or is that... Oh, I love that. Oh, yeah? The more someone can tell me about a scene I'm in, the more I will love them. <laughs> like, if someone comes in and just says, here's who we are, here's what we're doing, and this is what's unusual about it... I would, that's like gold to me. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. yeah. There's power in that. Yeah. Making choices. Mm-hmm. And saying that without being clunky is totally an, uh, a skill, totally an acquired skill, I would say. Yeah. I don't know that I have that skill. I mean, it's, I, but I would also rather someone say it in the clunkiest, wordiest way. And then we, we're through it and the audience gets over it. And then <laughs> you can just like go into that scene. <laughs> or you can do the jerk move of like calling out that they you know i've seen that a lot of times too of like do you just have a stroke or whatever the... <laughs> that's that's the second line to a lot of my scenes <laughs> <laughs> you're like no i just walked up some stairs <laughs> very obese 
which is also my stock character. I mean, if anybody pulled me into every scene in the set, they would see all two of my stock characters over and over again. Yeah, I played I played an old woman. Okay. I played a well, I don't really do I don't really do characters. So then I played two people. That, well, I played John Cougar Mellencamp, no but he sounded a lot like me. <laughs> <laughs> but I did say I'm a big rock star. I don't know who that is actually. Like I, I know he's a musician, but that's the extent of my knowledge. Uh, I agree with you. I also don't know who he is. Oh, great. <laughs> the three of us kind of know he's a musician <laughs> and we got a funny name. Yeah, he, a- <laughs> he played I think in some well-known band, no? I want Hollow notes. That's the fact. Is that true? No, no you're I just, just saying that. Something. That's good improv. Thank you, Bruce Springsteen. Um, uh, John, probably. That's... I imagine he used to play with John Tesh. I'm making all this up. Yeah. But I like the fact that him and John Tesh used to play together. Yeah. So I played him, and then I played a like a poison control operator who also sounded a lot like me. <laughs> <laughs> actually, we have uh, uh, something we do is actually we approach the community on Facebook and SFM. And we bring in questions anonymously and from whoever and around. And it's funny, it leads into the question I got, saying, how do you feel about stock characters? was a question oh. I got today. Yeah. Because you, 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 you mentioned you don't really play characters much, right? Or, or should scratch that. That's, a, that's bad wording. We're always playing characters. Yes. You just mentioned you play characters regularly that are, are close to the vest. Yes. I'm bad at um, getting outside of my comfort zone. Mm-hmm. I or that's something that I try that I have to like kind of force myself to do. So if left to my own devices, I'll play a character that sounds like me and moves like me, <laughs> preferably sitting in a chair across from someone else, just trying to just come having a funny conversation. <laughs> it's like the dream. Uh, but the struggle is, yeah, to make it active and a fun character. How do I feel about stock characters? Uh, is that an anonymous question? It is. Oh. Gonna... Coward. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know why I made it about it. <laughs> With that being said, I probably know who asked most of these questions. They're like just friends of mine. And oh, like that. okay. Yeah. That's fair. I, yeah, I could guess, but there's no point. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I think there is a certain amount of protection in doing a char- tried and true character because mm-hmm. you don't have to reveal as much about yourself. Yeah. Whereas, you know, you say you do play close to yourself, but I actually find that difficult. At least when I watch a lot of improv, I don't see that happen a lot. Yeah, well, I talked to someone yesterday, a student yesterday, who was saying that he got the note from his 401 teacher to stop playing so many characters, to try to play himself a little bit more. And he said to me that he likes playing characters because then if he says something, like, weird or fucked up, then it's, like, not him saying it. (laughs) Like, he's like, I don't think that my weird character thinks (laughs) that. So, so is there a pressure then when you are playing a character but sounds and looks like you and you're saying things that are not your opinion? Do you feel there's a weird pressure there? Sort of as, God, I wonder if this audience thinks this is my real opinion. Does that happen? No, no. But, I mean, audi- people in audiences are a combination of really smart and really stupid and everything else in between. <laughs> so there's no real reason to worry about it. The really stupid people will think that you're saying your opinion, no matter what character you play, you know. And the, everyone else will understand what improv is, hopefully. <laughs> yeah, I think about stock characters, because I think uh, I'm, in, I'm in a similar boat where just like I, I, I like playing close to me. And then uh, to me, I have my stock character. I, I, don't, I don't purposely have a stock character when I decide I'm going to play 
a character a little further from me. It tends to be the same two or three people, kind of. I mean, I don't know. People who play with me can attest to that. And I feel that's part of me also not really stretching out of my comfort zone. Like if I was staying in my safe zone, if I wanted to push out of my comfort zone, I'd play character style or a voice or some sort of movement that I've never done before ever. And that I find myself doing very rarely. And um, so I guess to me, how I approach with my stock characters, maybe that's my insecurity or it's a way of me not... My stock character is a way of me staying in my comfort zone, and I should be pushing out. Maybe I think that's how I would. Yeah, maybe it goes both ways. Though, like there's there's always an option to tell your team, like, "Hey, I'm looking to get out of this. Can you pimp me into crazy characters?" Oh, yeah. so you, you ask your teammates to pimp, pimp you? Yeah, pimp in the good sense of the word. Like, yeah. hey, I really want to like get out of my comfort zone, and and uh, presumably a team will have a mix of people of people that want to be straight men more and play closer to themselves, and people that want to play characters more. So if you're just open, like, here's what I'm working on, I'm working on getting out of my self a little bit more. Then, uh, when, then hopefully your teammate can initiate something like, like. You always come to work wearing those crazy hats and uh, <laughs> and talking about your cats, you know, and then you can, you get to play that character. And what's the character's name? Edna. Nice. Yeah. Edna. I was yeah. going to say cat hat, but that would be ridiculous. Cat hat? <laughs> um, well, then that's the game of, the, of that scene, I guess. <laughs> that's, that's focus stealing. Yeah, kind of, maybe. Or... I don't know. Whatever. Uh, <laughs> Funny things are good. <laughs> Do you guys want to improvise? Yeah, let's For do it. Want to do a scene? Oh, my sure. goodness. Okay. Yeah. All three of us together? <laughs> well, we'll <laughs> develop. We'll improvise. Yeah, I'll leave the room. <laughs> um, do you want to do, because, uh, um, do you want to do opening, no opening? I think um, we'll just improvise a scene. We can either take a suggestion and go in however you want to do it. Uh, well, what opening would you want to do? I don't know. I don't know. Uh, We'd have to do a pattern game, probably. Probably. It'd be hard to do another kind of opening. And then also, real quick, I want to ask you, uh, you you do pattern games regularly? Yes. Well, how would a million different people describe pattern game a million different ways? How would you describe a pattern game? Or how, how, what, what's something that you, how you approach it, you feel you don't hear much? Oh, I don't have any original views on the pattern game. I think I'm on the side of that it should be like a pitch session. Um, So you just... Talk to your team like you're hanging out with them, and you establish what you think is funny. You listen to what the audience laughs at from what you say, and then you do those scenes. Yeah. <laughs> cool. I do the yeah the pitch session version. Sounds good. Uh, should we should we try that? I haven't done a pattern game for a while. Should we go over a game? Yeah, fuck it. Let's do it. A pattern yeah. game? Okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, sure. Our, uh, our suggestion, ladies and gentlemen, is pencil shavings. Pencil shavings. Elementary school. Rulers. Crushes. Uh, passing notes. Uh, uh, be, being in trouble with your teacher. Passing a note to your teacher. Bad teachers. Bad teachers. No, I'm talking about. Like teachers that have sex with their students? <laughs> uh, someone convicted. Uh, a teacher is convicted... Who is a convicted felon? If if a teacher is female, it's like not as not as severe. Your teacher did what? Oh, it's a woman. Oh, okay, never mind. Cool. Never mind. Cool. Uh, She's she gets a promotion. <laughs> uh, principal's way too lax. Uh, the Simpsons. 
TV shows that run on way too long. Modern Family. Um, Modern Elementary School. An elementary school that has all different assortment of students. I don't know what that means. Diversity <laughs> like, elementary uh, school. Like a reading rainbow <laughs> elementary school? I was thinking of an elementary school that has like a That's gay sort of couple with an adopted Asian mm. daughter, mm. but they're kids? I don't know. And, and yeah. An elementary school that has a very strict acceptance policy of a very specific type of diversity. Yeah, there's like the Wall Street broker little kid, and then there's the... Um, <laughs> There's the uh, there's the guy, the little kid that works at a gas station, smokes too much weed, little kid. Those little children are just various different types of adults. <laughs> <laughs> Miniature. Model house. Pencil Obs- shavings. Pencil shavings. Pencil shavings. Hey, uh, hey, Rebecca, do you mind coming into um, my office for a second? Uh, sure, yeah, what's up? Hey, uh, I'm kind of a new principal, so I'm getting to... To know everybody here at Desert Shadows Elementary. Just wanted to uh, drop a line, see how you're doing. See how you're liking the see how you're liking the the school here. Uh I like it, Principal Jacobs, but um I'm on my way to class. Oh, okay, I'll uh, I'll cut to the chase. Um so it's come to the grapevine. Uh, my secretary's informed me that you are very uh loved by the students and uh, possibly um, are having extracurricular, I don't know, uh, time together with the students. Is that true, Rebecca? I have, yeah. I've actually, I've been having them over to my house for sleepovers and things like that. And um, I just want to make sure that you know that um, since, you know, my name is Rebecca, I am a, a woman, a female teacher. <laughs> oh, yeah. Okay, cool. Cool, cool, cool. Yeah. Cool, cool, cool. Just- oh, um, you know what else? I wanted to just let you know that I did teach the students that um, evolution doesn't exist. I don't, I just got really and I just felt really like um, passionate about it one day. So I just taught them that, but, um, but I'm also a woman. Okay. Well, I think the, the case closed. Oh, and, uh, and Mr. Mr. Johnson did it too. Mr. Johnson did that. Yeah. Yeah. I don't want to narc him out, but he did. Okay, thank you, Rebecca. Thank you for for telling me that. Sure. Cut to ten minutes later. Uh, hey, Mr. John, uh, Mr. Jacobs, do you want to see me? Yeah, Mr. Johnson, come inside. Oh, yeah, you can call me Phil. Um, Mr. Johnson, I'm letting you go. Excuse me. I'm letting you go. I'm firing you. It's in the middle of the school day. It's th- it's 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 noon. That's, I'm sorry, Mr. Jo- you've. Why are you letting what what? what? You you taught you taught uh, creationism in this school, and this is this is Maine. Yeah, I was offering another alternative. I, I wasn't muscling in creationism. I was just saying this is a common belief. I feel uh, we need. I'm sorry, Mr. J- and you, you just um, you have a penis. So, Excuse me. Yeah, I know. You, you can't. You can't do that. You just look at me and say I have a penis. Yeah, yeah, I did. If I didn't have a penis, it would have been fine. Well, I mean, I think we'd have a lot more to be talking about, don't you think? No. Uh, we we cut to the next day. Hi, um, I'm from the school board, uh, and I do see that you're a male principal, and you told a teacher he has a penis in your office. Sorry, I was just finishing my coffee. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we're going to have to let you go. Seriously? Yeah, if you were a female principal, things might have been different. But as a male principal telling a teacher you have a penis, that's um, really not tolerated. That's, just shop, that's shop talk. That's... 
that's what another man can say to another man. That's men go around telling men that they have penises. I'll pack my stuff. Thank you. Cut to uh, Rebecca's apartment. <laughs> there's blood everywhere. <laughs> there's three. There's three severed heads in the middle of the table. And there's a bunch of elementary schoolers hanging out around the uh, table. Miss 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 Wilson. Miss uh, Wilson. Miss Wilson. Uh, yes. Yes. Uh, I was uh, I was wondering if I could, could call my mom if I could. Um... When when Ricky's gonna call his mom? Can I call my mom? I haven't seen my mom all day. Um. Yeah. Sure. Do what you need to do, guys. Really? Yeah. We're just hanging here. Okay. Go for you're, it. You're the you're the coolest. Yeah. Well. What's that smell, Mrs. Wilson? Uh, I don't know. Probably one of the dead bodies in my apartment. Oh, uh, come in. Hey, um, um, Ryan said that he was over at your apartment. Um, Ryan's dad. All right, I said no dads, moms only, guys. Who called their dad? I I called my dad. I had a cell phone. My mom's dead. I've gone over this with you. Ryan, this is your teacher here? Yeah. This is your teacher? This is your teacher's apartment with the, the severed heads and the blood everywhere. Yeah, that's that's me. This is your home. Mm-hmm. You're his teacher. This is Mrs. Wilson, Dad. I've told you about her. This is Miss Wilson. Yeah. Okay, I brought over some, brought over your toothbrush, and I brought over some pillows for you. Dad, please, get me out of here. My hands are tied. <laughs> I don't know what I could. I don't know what I don't know what I could do for you uh, other than thank you. Let's have some free time with my wife. No problem. Oh, and I wanted to mention you have a penis. That's right. I'll pack up my things. Okay, thank you. Scene. <laughs> Gold. Perfect. Perfect. That was the best improv scene I've ever been in. That's I've a wrap. Not, I've not done an improv scene before. This is my first time. Is that, no, that's a lie. That is a lie. It's a total lie. It's a total lie. Cool. So um, we did that off a pattern game, which would probably have one sort of ring, kind of. That w- what do you mean? I mean, that was yeah, that was one third of a pattern one game. One third of a pattern yeah. game. So oh. it was the beginning of a pattern game. Mm-hmm. I was, like, frightened during that pattern game. Pattern games are, like, the opposite of my brain. <laughs> Me too. Really? Me too. They're the opposite of my brain. My brain is, like, a goopy, goopy goo pod. And pattern games are, like, people who have, like, super smart, like, well-constructed brains. You know what I mean? Uh, yeah. I mean, I guess. But it's, it's um, that's why there's, like, multiple people that do them. So, like, the, go- <laughs> the goopy goo brains can just be, like, like, bleh, you know, they can just say whatever. And then the the more analytical or writerly among the, r- the group can label things. And then even the goop brains can get in on, like, riffing once something's been labeled. No? Mm-hmm. No, yeah, definitely. Nice. I'm a big fan of, like... Definitely trying to fix things that you're working on, but while that's happening, I'm a big fan of on a team, everyone kind of realizing that you do have a role. It's true. You're not going to have eight completely flexible, like, players that can do everything on a team. You're going to have goo brains in a good way. You're going to have, like, people that really, like... Do weird. You're gonna have the weird person. You'll have the straight man. That just, I, I think, embracing that can help too. Would you consider yourself uh, a robot? I was gonna ask that <laughs> question. Do you know the Billy Merritt, the robot pirate ninja thing? Oh, we like it's improvisers. He's like three general categories for an improviser. There's a robot. There's a pirate. And there's a ninja. And like, you don't have to be the one thing. Some people can be robot ninjas, robot pirates, pirate ninjas, things like that. 
a robot would be described as someone who is just laser focused on knowing what the game is, and guess has I would say the writerly mind. That would be. Oh uh, yeah, robot. yeah. I'm definitely a robot then. You're a cool robot. <laughs> oh, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> and then like uh, the pirate is someone who just goes just does goes without thinking, just right, just right. hops into something. Want just for the, just for exploration purposes. Yeah, I would like to be that kind of person. I think those are people that are better actors usually. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, th- I think it's I think it's fair that everybody who is something thinks the grass is a little bit greener on the other side. Yeah, that's probably true. Although, no, I you know what that might not be true. I think people who are more piratey love that. Love the fact that they're pirates? Love the fact that they're just, like, going into stuff. I think they tend to be less um, less in the vein of, like, listening to or, like, trying to be, like, in tune with the audience, and they're more just doing what's true to themselves. And I think, as a result, they're just, they're probably happier people in general. <laughs> ignorance is bliss. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's not ignorance. It's just, like, a different type of talent. Yeah. They they need they need the robots though. Say, they need their they couldn't survive without the robots. That's true. Right. Yeah, and then uh, I guess a ninja is someone who comes when no one was expecting, right? To to sort of do the support move. Mm-hmm. I always thought it was more like in and out. You know, they just like come do the necessary things. Yeah. Um, they just jump out. I think we don't yeah. exactly know what ninja. Is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a ninja. It sounds to me like a ninja is like bad person who comes in and like like a bad person or someone who's bad at improv <laughs> just like a mean person i don't person. know if there's a difference Ooh. no a bad no a bad improvise like i don't know what it is either but it sounds to me like someone who just like walks into a scene and is like here you go guys here's the thing you need in here and then they like walk out um Drop by the, the way you guys yeah. are on a volcano <laughs> peace out yeah. Helicopter yeah that's what it sounds like the way that we're describing it so i feel like that's not what that is no i don't think so too but that would be cool if that was a thing uh, maybe that could be a fourth category of dick. Bag. Yeah, <laughs> bad person. Yeah, bad person. Bad person. So it, with that scene, uh, yeah, I was also nervous because I, a I didn't know I'd be doing a pattern game today, and b I don't do pattern games regularly, and yeah, I was definitely in my head. Uh, enough excusing myself for my improv. Uh, I felt the biggest question was the the the, the women being. Um, or, or female uh, being unpunished for anything they do. Right. I felt that lacked a justification. Um, to me, that was like the big question that was peering over what we were doing. Yeah, to me, I feel like the justification is inherent, which is just that, like, women can get away with things. Like, um, I guess maybe it's it's inherent that women can get away with, like, sex crimes more easily okay. than men. But maybe when it when it widened to non-sex related stuff, it needed more of a justification. Right. Okay. So I guess because the basis of the from the pattern game was the fact that maybe there's been an error of that in the news and things like that or whatever. Or that's something like a that, <laughs> I don't know what I'm about to say. Uh, so I'm not going to say it. Careful. Uh, yeah, I'm not going to say it. Uh, yeah, interesting. So do you feel it like uh, playing from a pattern game justification isn't super important if it was if it hit on the pattern game and no one had to justify it then no justification is really important Mm. always yeah but it's the probably the number one thing that gets left out of improv scenes i Mm. would say with justification you can without justification you have a pattern so i think the scene we did was basically a pattern right like and pattern and game are 
different things. Mm-hmm. The justification would add, would add the game to the equation. And it usually makes heightening easier because you're not just, like, I mean, we did heighten to the teacher having, like, severed heads and stuff. Uh, mm-hmm. So that was pretty solid. <laughs> but um, But it's hard to... It's easier when you just have a pattern and not a game to do lateral moves. Like, right. well, I know that a woman needs to get away with something now, but if it was like because, well, what would it have been? What's the justification? Because society I, I, I discriminates was, in my head, against I, men. I was almost going to tag in as the uh, superintendent and be like, "Why are you bringing the woman in your office? You know the scandal we've had. No, we're not allowed to. You know, we're not allowed to um, penalize any female staff for for a very specific reason." And then I, I don't know what it was, but oh, some okay. sort of uh, So you had prior. gotten the intro to the justification ready, but then, <laughs> <laughs> but then you stopped just short of the actual thing. Yeah, that's exactly correct. Maybe that's yeah. it. Maybe that is. Maybe they had. I mean, that's always an easy, simple justification is something bad happened related to that in the past. Right. So I, it's like the last time we tried to prosecute that woman, she got us all fired for, um, what's the word, nice. when you don't. Sexism. Oh, sexism. Yeah, or sexual harassment, I think, is what I was thinking. I like your your justification that women can get away with crimes when they're sexual, because that's like kind of something that I think, at least when you said it, it rang true to me a little bit. And so, if, if that's the danger zone I was avoiding a minute ago. Well, I don't know. I could. I, I, <laughs> I think that's a very Careful. strong opinion, personally per person. Sure, it it totally is. Right now, we're banking on the fact that there's a larger like ethos about it. That's a yeah, stereotype. So. That's definitely a stereotype. the stereotype yeah. is yeah. that women could get away with it. Yeah, whether it's true or not. And uh, if let's just say we did use that for a justification, not saying it's true necessarily, but if we did use it for justification, it would help that heightening. Well, then it turns into. Just like women can more easily get away with sex crimes than men, they can get away with. So then you'd get the murder crime, and it would be like, no, you know, it's just like how no one expects women to like. I mean, I well now I'm getting into dangerous territory, but it's like you know how no one expects women. You know, no one. No, I figured a way out of it. (laughs) You know how no one expects a woman to sexually harass a man. Like I figured I could just murder someone because I'm gonna just go to court and and plead being a woman i guess that's the that's the logic is like i plead being a woman yeah like are you yeah um you know how there's like a whole new category of like innocent guilty or i'm a woman maybe Mm -hmm. i don't know cool but yeah we we probably needed some justification (laughs) in there but what are you gonna do i mean we haven't ever improvised together we need to develop our group mind our we need to figure out which of us is the pirate ninja and what's the one I am? The robot? No. (laughs) Well, we need a fourth person. Well, maybe one of us is the bad person and then we need a fourth to be the other one. Yeah. um, Do you have any other thoughts on on the scene? Or just... (laughs) I mean, I thought it was pretty solid, guys. (laughs) I'd like to write it up and put it in my packet and submit it to to write for a show. Um... I don't know, whatever. It was improv. That's the other thing is, like, it's improv. Mm. Improv is so dumb. Like, <laughs> it's such a it's such a cool thing, but it's such a funny thing to, like, worry about a scene afterwards. Yeah. Too much. Do you dwell? I find myself, because I consider myself an intermediate improviser. I've uh, doing it for a couple of years. And I still find myself, definitely after a show, analyzing for much longer than the show ever was. We'll do, I'll do, the other night we did, like, a nine-minute Triple Crown show, and I talked about <laughs> it all night. Do you not have that anymore? Are you just like, done, the scene's done, it's dead, I don't care about it anymore? 
Um, I have cut down my time of obsessing over what my second line should have been considerably from when I first started. But there are still scenes that I can, I mean, I can think of one scene I did how many months ago? It was in April. Um, Hmm. And I'm still wishing I had said a different second line than I did. Oh, wow. Yeah. So it'll haunt you forever then. That one will haunt. I mean, there's a lot of scenes like that that go around in my head, but I maybe my level of caring is, has gotten to an appropriate level. Like, I, I used to, like, cry after bad shows. I cried in a class one time. Oh, no. Yeah, but I'm a big old crybaby. <laughs> uh, and I don't do that anymore. I mean, I cry about everything else, but not about improv anymore. That's a it's it's an interesting balance for like caring enough to do good shit, but not caring too much that you're in your head. Exactly, yeah. How how do you find that balance? Uh, I don't think I found it. I think it just kind of happened after I'd been doing improv for a really long time. Okay, repetition then. Yeah, repetition. Eventually, the rules are just in your head rather than things that you are actively thinking about. I think that's when it happens, maybe. When the rule is like part of your brain, like like speaking English or it becomes muscle memory. Yeah, kind of. yeah, yeah. Very nice. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, I was, you said that it's like it's improv, so it's dumb. I I agree. It's like <laughs> so silly. Um, do you think that the the purpose of improv is to like learn how to like jam and create so that you can write it up into sketch, make a video? make a sketch review, put it in your packet? Or do you think it's like its own thing, that it's like it happened, it was like a night flower and it was beautiful and now it's done? Uh, well, it depends on how you're doing improv. I think improv is definitely a, like an end in itself. Um, it can be. Like I think improv can be much cooler to watch. Probably has the ability to be much cooler to watch than like sketch or stand-up. But, and I have tried to turn... I mean, sketch and stand-up can be really cool to watch. Improv can be, like, really, really cool to watch. <laughs> Throwing right. it down. Yeah, exactly. Because yeah, um, it's just more impressive. People are making it up. But <laughs> I've tried to write sketches based on improv scenes, and I think they have worked 0% of the time. Oh, wow. That's that's a staggering statistic. Yeah. <laughs> staggering. Zero staggering percent, 0.0% of the time has a sketch, has a sketch that I've written because of an improv scene worked. Really? Yeah. Because yeah. Second City does the reviews based off the improv process, right? Yeah, but they improvise, probably improvise slightly differently. True. Mm-hmm. I know. I've, I, went, I, did, I went to Second City Toronto once. They did the improv set after the, the review. And you can tell they, they approach the stage with characters in mind and things like that. Like It's definitely semi- pre-planned improv is that right like they, they have something you can tell like if i kept going every week i'd be saying kind of the, seeing the same characters and they'd slowly be developing that same scene sort of as a process of just doing it on their feet but in a way that's i guess a type of writing just doing it on your feet right yeah i really can't speak to that just because i've never done improv in a city other than well i have done i did short form improv in other cities but not long form what was the name of your short form team well, it's not the one you're thinking of. <laughs> I know what you are thinking of. Uh, I did short form with a group called Comedy Jocks. Nice. It was a competitive short form improv. Just total, it, a 100% ripoff of comedy sports, comedy but sports. like not unbranded and like at the back of a pizza place in Denver. <laughs> nice. um, and then I did it on the spot, I think, though, and that was Whose Line Is It Anyway style improv. 
Cool. Yeah. We did a TV show named that exact thing. On, on the spot? Yeah, the, it was after Whose Line Is Anyway, Drew Carey produced it. It was called On the Spot. Andy Richter was in it. I really? Think. Yeah. Right. It, was a, it was a very Uh-oh. short-lived WB summer improv show. Oh, that's funny. And then I think they were like in a setting. Like the one episode I saw like five minutes of, they were in a hotel. And then I guess it was like, <laughs> ding. They was like, on the spot, think of wacky improv stuff while they were probably in a scripted environment. Like the, what do you mean? Like the ding was like. I think it was, so I'm talking out of class here because I actually didn't watch the episode but <laughs> to me in the way I made it up when I was done I uh, wait wait <laughs> then where are you getting where are you getting this I, from okay alright once I turned on the TV to the WB one of my favorite networks it's a great network <laughs> RIP rest in peace and uh, it was the end of a new Drew Carey improv show called On the Spot and I could swear I think Andy Richter was on the episode and he was dressed in like a hotel bellhop uniform and it's called On the Spot so I imagine the entire thing was improvised that doesn't make sense. Why would there be a costume in an improv show? I, why is the why is blue? Why is sky and the ocean blue? I don't know. They reflect off each other. Same same thing. <laughs> you know. Uh, oh, go ahead. Well, with comedy jocks, we actually did have a wall behind us of pegs with like different costumes on them. Nice. So you could grab like your like Rasta wig if you like needed to do that, or mm. your like pilot's hat. There's, there's a short form team in New York called the Wacky Hats. They play all over the city wearing different hats, which I enjoy. I prefer cat hat. Cat hat. <laughs> and we actually just did a gig also at a comedy sports, and it was a scoreboard. It wasn't comedy sports. It was former comedy sports. But there was a scoreboard on the wall, and then we went backstage and saw that hat rack. I took a photo of it. Oh, yeah. We love it. Yeah. There should be more hats in improv, I think. Keith Johnstone's uh, Theater of the Loose Moose in Canada has an entire backstage with, like, beds and costumes and, like, props and, like... So you could be doing an improv scene... And decide you needed to set something in bed, and you could go backstage and get a bed and put it on stage? <laughs> yeah. That's... How many beds? Ridiculous. Just the one. Oh. You said beds, plural. Yeah, what if That's you wanted to do a scene in an orphanage or, like, a, a hostel? Then go backstage, get the child cages. Well, okay. <laughs> <laughs> child cages. How He's do got... they know they're ch- child? They're just too small for adults? I, I think they're uh, labeled. Uh, they're definitely not dog cages. <laughs> Yeah. I, uh, that, that's the thing. I think Ian Roberts mentioned that once in an interview with being like, if, if uh, there's no point to have props kind of, or maybe that's too strong, but like, uh, why would I put on a doctor's uh, coat on and pretend to be a doctor in a scene if I have nothing else? If I don't have the stethoscope, I don't have the, it's not the actual room. So if that's the yeah. case, just why would I have the coat on? Just leave it all off. I was talking recently about how angry it makes me when people take their shirts off on stage yeah. in an improv show. Or take out their real wallet or something like that. Their real wallet yeah. or like... um. I mean, and this is because I just kind of am like a prude when it comes to touching other people, but actual kisses on stage make me very uncomfortable. Right. I think that that's a different thing. That's a that's something I need to work <laughs> yeah, through. Yeah, it's just a, how's your home life? <laughs> <laughs> but I got kissed on stage one time and it made me angry for days. What? It was so, it felt like such an invasion. Oh, Like, it was too invasive. It was like, we didn't need to do that. Oh. We could have mimed that kiss or just hugged or <laughs> I don't know. But taking your shirt off on stage to me is like unforgivable. <laughs> <laughs> it's just uh, it's just the trust isn't there. 
It's just like, what are you thinking? Why wouldn't you mime that? Why are you so okay with your body that you're okay with? It's jealousy yeah, that they're yeah. fine with their body is what it is. I always bring an extra shirt just in case. In case yeah. you want to take that top oh, shirt off? And just no. because. In case someone else takes their shirt off and you want to put yours on them? My own, yeah, I, it's uh, called a burrito shirt. <laughs> no, uh, yeah, it's just uh, I wear extra shirts because I'm even extra insecure in my body. So oh, extra wow. In case one actually comes off, I have to have one there. There you go. Uh, I would love to see a shirt accidentally come off. That that to me is the opposite of a shirt on purpose coming off. A shirt accidentally coming off is the best thing that could happen. <laughs> very good, very good. Yeah. So I mentioned a little bit. Do you have any improv pet peeves that you've been seeing a lot lately? That pretty much covers it. Or are there other things we're just like I don't need to see that anymore? Um, I don't know. I'm pretty good natured about watching improv. I think I don't like taking your shirt off. I. A pet peeve, um, like forcing meta would be a pet peeve, I guess. Um, the new thing that I am on right now, this isn't really a pet peeve, but my new thing I'm on is, um, and I I take no credit for this. It's uh, Will Story's. Will Story was coaching um, Sherlock and Cookies for a while for the last month or so, and he was talking to us about it. Is liking or like either liking where you are or having to be where having a reason to be where you are. So that's like my new big thing is like if you're doing a scene and you are unhappy about like, well, I don't want to be backstage at this concert. Flipping it to being happy about being there is like makes the scene so much more fun. I got a similar note with uh, a thing for me. I think I, I, I spent a lot of time keeping myself distant, you know, mm -hmm. from where I am when I was told, like, yeah, Stefan, I think it would be better. You should start really expecting to be in the situation you're in. Yeah, expecting to be there, having a reason to be there, and then often something unusual will just come out of wanting to be there. <laughs> Very cool. Uh, so then you're not just, like, two miserable people fighting, like, uh, camping isn't as fun as I thought it would be. I know it's the worst. Um, <laughs> is there? Yeah. I have a fear of 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 t like, which is I've got to follow that fear, don't I? But on the other end of that, <laughs> no, you don't. <laughs> do I not have to? You don't have to. On the other end of that, I have a worry of us people <laughs> like we love camping. Yeah, God, camping's the best. Oh, don't you love? Cam I love camping so much. We're just two happy campers. You know, that's my weird fear in my head if that's what's going to become. Yeah, you never want to end up in that. I mean, that's like n the number one scene for me of that is. For whatever reason, it's always a beautiful beach. <laughs> mm. Oh, this beach is so beautiful. I know. It's sunset on the beach, and it's beautiful. <laughs> what a beautiful... Like, I don't know why I've seen so many beautiful beach scenes. I'm sure I've been in a lot of them. That's where just making a decision comes in. You can still love camping and have an opinion. It can be like, yeah, I love camping, too. I just thought, and I'm stealing this from... Patrick, and I don't know his last name. Um, so sorry, Patrick, if you're listening to this. Um, you can say, like, yeah, I love camping, too. I just feel like there's, like, not as many stars in the sky, and, like, Grand Theft Auto is a lot cooler than this sky. Mm. So then so then you can enjoy camping but still play the game of, like, I really thought camping would be more like Grand Theft Auto. Uh, but it's then it's not just, like, a scene where you hate where you are. It's a scene where you like where you are. I don't know. It's just so much more fun that way. That's a very that's a razor thin difference. Like, not liking where you are and liking where you are, and your point of view can still be like, eh. yeah, exactly. It is razor thin, and it's it's. I I don't think I've gotten to the point where I'm good at doing it yet, but that's like my next thing I'm working on. Cool. Yeah, that leads to another question. I was going to say, I feel everyone, even the most veteran improvisers, still have stuff they're working on, right? 
that's never going to end, is it? I do. I have stuff. I, I, everyone I know has stuff that they're working on, but I'm not sure everyone does. Yeah. Do you think that's because they're just lazy and they're just like? No, I think it's just because they're they're already the best. I don't know. I think <laughs> that there are people who are just as good as they as you could get at improv. Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah. Sure. I feel like I'm just as good as I'm going to get it in prof. <laughs> <laughs> well, we just did probably the best scene of all time, so I would agree with you. Yeah. Probably. All three of us are at our peaks. Yeah. Slow downhill march downhill. from middle school. Yeah. I'm skiing yeah. down my hill. I'm going way down. <laughs> so uh, what did you just come off of working on that you're, you're working on now, that, that difference? but Oh, I'm working – well, I'm still, I think, also working on this, but one thing I was working on – because I am a, a like game robot sometimes is um, not just hitting the game over and over and over and over right in a row um, and like trusting that the game will come up again if you do the scene that you're in so yeah the, the term resting the game isn't a term anymore right isn't that then they decided to like change the wording of that a little bit. I was just having a conversation about that, like what we would say instead of resting the game on our team. And I would say, yeah, people are kind of shying away from that. Um, I would say, usually what I say is like, just do the thing. So do whatever the premise of the scene is. And by oh. premise, I mean like just the plot, I guess. not. It, there, it's not really plot. Plot's a bad word, but... Or plot, we have made a bad word in improv. <laughs> but do the plot of the scene. So if it's a doctor's exam, do the doctor's exam. And then eventually the game will happen again. Hmm. Um, yeah. Right. So I just say do the thing. I don't know if that's helpful to anyone, but that, that's how I say it in my brain. I think it no, is. I think totally, I, yeah. I think it also flushes out the environment a little bit more. Yes. Yeah, exactly. And when you're just relaxed and doing what you know is just the what what you do, what you do every day, you can find interesting things just pop up without you even trying to force it or uh, yeah, imagine, like, trying to invent anything. Just more discoveries come from that. I think it comes also with trusting your teammates. Like the more you, the longer you've been on a team with someone, the more you trust them, the more willing you are to go back to just doing the thing. Because a lot when I used to like a classes I used to be in, you don't know, like you're up there with someone you just met or mm. someone missed the first two classes and then suddenly they're in the third class and you're doing a scene with them. So for me, it was always like a I have to I know what's going on in this scene. So I'm going to do it over and over and over and I'm not going to let there be a chance for it to like veer off into another direction. Um, but that's not so fun. Yeah, it is it is a necessary skill though. Like I was impressed in that scene how how many examples you came up with so quickly. Like Oh, did I do my bad habit that I was working on just now in that scene we did? No, I think I might that? have actually. <laughs> it was uh you were talking to the principal and uh, yeah. I forget it what but you laid out like a couple examples like one after the next and I was like Well, you clarified I, what the guess. I mean, I was going to ask earlier was there a game in that scene? I would if it, if, it, if it was, you definitely clarified it. The well, concept what, of women can't be penalized. Yeah, I think we decided it was more of a pattern than a game. Right. It's not a game. It's a pattern. Yeah. So would that be – is that the premise then? The premise of that scene to me was – well, which scene are we talking about? The the, um, the, in, the principal's office? Principal's office. The premise of that scene was teachers called into a principal's office for a meeting. Okay. Yeah. So then it's like um, for the do the thing of that would be like um, – all right, well, do you want to have a seat so we can talk about this? And you sit down, and then, like, can I get you coffee or, you know, whatever you do in a meeting with your boss, right? Right. more or less. Mm -hmm. Meeting with a boss was the premise of that scene. 
Yeah. Cool. All right. Uh, I think uh, before we wrap up, I would love to get into our final segment or whatever it is we have here, which is the que- which I alluded to earlier, which is the questions from the community type situation. I'm going to reach out on various accounts on Facebook and have a few questions. I was wondering if I could shoot them your way and you can give your brilliant expertise like a columnist. Is that cool? No. Is that where I was supposed to say <laughs> no, no? No, no? Oh, no, okay. Then yes, yeah, I'll do it. <laughs> 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 yes. That's just an inside joke. Don't worry about that. Of course. Uh, of course, I'll do it. <laughs> and, um, this is a loaded. This is a question that I think you ask. <laughs> Ah, <laughs> uh, all right. That was I was really worried for a second. All right. Uh, <laughs> all right this yes, is of course I will answer questions from the community. Yeah. Of course I will. Yeah, I'm not a monster. You're a wizard. You're yes. A okay. Uh, okay. This is. Um, I'm going to start with a real softball here. Ooh. I got this great question from an anonymous um, person. It says, "Are most improvisers, you know, dog people or cat people?" Dog people. Interesting. Is yes. that is there? A, do you think there's a theory behind that, or? I think most people in general might be dog people. Yeah. I'm a equal dog and cat person. Very rare, very special human being. Um, <laughs> but I think most people are dog people in general. I, yeah, I feel maybe I'm a dog. I'm a cat. Per, like I'm a cat person, and I'm like a man. I feel that's even heightenedly more unusual. Would you say that's true? Uh, yeah, stereo, stereotype-wise, yeah. people expect. Yeah. Um, also, dogs are boys and girl, and cats are girls yeah, in uh, general. Yeah. Um, I still, uh, we have a female dog at home. Every now and then I'll still call to him. And we have a male cat. Every now and then I'll still call to her. Yeah, cats are girls. <laughs> it's interesting because improvisers are, are tend to be on the more irresponsible side, so they should like cats more because cats <laughs> take a lot less work. But, um, yeah. yeah, I think more dog people. So you're saying improvisers are really bad to most dogs that they own? Uh, I think maybe it's just like a fantasy of owning a dog, but they don't own them because they're too irresponsible. They should have fantasies of cats, though. Nice. Cat fantasies? Cat fantasies. Stock cats is what we talked about. Yes. And then I'm going to, how to handle or whether to con, this is from Joe Gallagher. Ooh, I love it. A non-anonymous one. Step into the light, Joe Gallagher. Way to go, Joe. Good job, Joe. Be a man about it. Uh, how to handle or whether to consciously avoid loaded topics like race, gender, orientation, etc. at different levels of experience. And I'm sure there's a question you've asked a million times, but it would be good to hear your take on it. Oh, okay. Well, avoid it at lower levels of experience, I would say. Um, yeah. I think, or at, at the very least, avoid it if you don't, if you're like not friendly with the other people in right. your in your you know, in your class or on your team or whatever, um, but otherwise, I think it's all f- fair game. Like, it, don't force it. Right. <laughs> don't always walk into a scene as a racist person or <laughs> like uh, with like blue or uh, like uh, what's the word um, offensive. Right. <laughs> there we go. Don't <laughs> don't come in with an offensive thing in your mind for no reason, but there's no I don't think there's any reason to avoid it. As, as a as a veteran improviser, say someone who's a lower level comes in and starts playing those stereotypes, those racist stereotypes. How do you feel you would catch that or, or how would you respond to that? Um I would probably try to match them. Okay. Wow. Interesting. Yeah, cuz I don't really want to do a scene where I'm like telling someone else they're racist like that would be like the might be a go-to would be like 
like, dude, that's not how Italian people sound. Are you racist? But I don't think I want to do that scene. Like, right. that's not a fun, funny conversation to have with anyone. You're just killing the vibe. <laughs> yeah, you know, I got to get my improv vibe going. <laughs> um, I have no improv vibe. Uh, so I might... I might just match it. I mean, it depends on how racist it is. Like, how, how racist are we talking here? Um, Someone, uh, if, it's, if it's like... <laughs> uh, I don't know, something, just a terrible stereotype. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe I would just edit that scene immediately. <laughs> right, right, I would right. just, like, make it just not try to tag him out, try to edit it. Um... If someone's just being, like, racist for the sake of being racist, I guess I would try to, I would try to not even deal with it. I would, like, try to edit it, try to end it, try to move on, not acknowledge it. I don't know. Nice. Cut the loss. Yeah, I think so. But if someone's being offensive and it's, like, part of what we're doing and it has to be there, then, yeah, I'll I'll get into it. Sure. Cool. And then last but not least, this is a tricky one. I might ask this every time. I know this is anonymous. I know who it's from, but I'm going to keep it anonymous. Uh, what is the difference between being in the moment and being objective to recognize what the scene is? Um, we maybe already yeah, we talked about, about it a, about little that a little bit. Being in the moment and and being, um, I think being in the moment just means listening to me. Okay. Yeah, and then I think, um, what's the other op- what's the other option? This is this is what I'm what's focused behind on. door number two. Uh, uh, recognize what the scene is. I'm curious as to what that I think they're the phrase. same thing. Is that the same thing? Recognizing what the scene. I think they're like. Um, that's the idea of like no like trying to pay attention to what the audience is seeing at the time. I think they're both listening. I okay. think both of those things are listening. I don't know. That's I can not expand a good on answer. this a little bit because I have some insight into last it, but pretty much. Uh, <laughs> Was it you? No. No, I would never ask anything like that. <laughs> Yikes. Uh, judgy. I am very judgy. Uh, <laughs> but uh, being in the moment is like, uh, like you said, being lost in it, you know, where it's like uh, you're so in it that you're kind of lost in it, you know. Oh, yeah, that's okay. Is that? I was going to go a little different, but I like that. Oh, okay. Like getting lost in the moment right. versus like. Having a handle. And what's now? What's the question related to that? What's good and what's bad? Like how? Uh, oh, how do you balance those two? Or, what's yeah, the difference? What's the difference? Okay, we just said it then. You got it, anonymous. <laughs> <laughs> I think we nailed that question. Put it in the bucket. I don't know. Is there more? I'll, let me sneak in and say something. It might even be totally unrelated to this, but I, I talk with people sometimes about like playing things very real. Yeah. You know, sometimes that could lead to like a boring scene where maybe something doesn't really happen. Mm-hmm. Play things very real mm-hmm. versus having some sort of comedic instinct and turning that on to be like, I'm going to turn on my comedy instinct button or something like that. Right. Do you know what I'm talking about? Is that, do you feel like you have like a comedic instinct where you just turn it on? Like, I'm going to make a comedic choice versus I'm going to make just the real base reality choice and just sort of um, do what I would do in real life? Um, I think that everyone has the possibility of turning on the comedic voice solely by inserting their own personal experience into a scene. So, like, you can play anything as real as you want and then just say from your real life something that it makes you think of. So it's like, can you get me a glass of water? And then 
um, yeah, sure, you know, this uh, this tap, like, never gets that cold. And then eventually someone's going to say something weird from their own life. <laughs> so it's like, oh, yeah, that's why I use the bathroom tap. And then, like, then we're getting somewhere a little bit odd. And then at some point someone will latch on to, like, you use, you know, then 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 it's easier to get to, like, you use the bathroom for more things than normal people use the bathroom for. Um, or the bathroom is the most used room in your house. And then you can get to the justification of that. But I think um, you can play something really real. And if you're playing it real and using your own brain and all of your life experiences, something funny is going to happen, I think. Maybe not always. Some people are maybe just boring people. What I drew from that was like a uh, uh, do try to, treat things the way you would. However, your personal specificity makes it unusual for others. Exactly. And there's a response to that that you have to listen to and you have to embrace. Yeah, it's like if someone if someone's normal response to something would be like, yeah, let's go to the movies. And then I feel like nine times out of ten, if, as, if a coach is like, hey, why not just name the movie you're going to? Whatever movie the person thought of when they said, because they always had an idea when they said it. They mm -hmm. maybe just didn't say it out loud. Is like hilarious. <laughs> Like, whatever someone came up with in their head is probably really funny. They just, like, didn't say it. I don't know why. I guess because they don't want to – they want to give their scene partner the option to, like, do the specific, but – Yeah, I've, I've had that with teams I've coached where they have great ideas, and then I'm like, great, let's do a scene based off that, and then they're very coy all of a sudden. Yeah, people think – maybe people think it's a shortcut, and that's the stuff I'm all about is, like, that – like, all if, if someone said something that reminded me of, like um, – uh, search engine optimization. Like I did a whole scene where I was a SEO like copywriter, which <laughs> is like super boring, but also a weird thing to say. <laughs> so you're probably going to get somewhere good with that. Cool. Uh, that sounds like a great place to end it, I think. Uh, last but not least, of course, I'd love to ask you if you can do us a big old favor. Can you look at that microphone and say improv sucks? And um, No. All right. Uh, that was Improv Noise. Uh, thanks again to our wonderful guest, Beth Appel. Uh, uh, we'll see you all. Uh, thanks again to our listeners, and we'll see you all next time. Peace. <laughs> <laughs> that was unscripted. I don't uh, oh, really? Was it? Yeah, it was a